Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined on the show this week by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show we feature some of the highlights of the programme this year. We had a special feature on football fans with disability, in particular fans who are visually impaired. We relive the great tragedy of the passing away of Ghana winger Christian Achu, who was found dead in Turkey following the earthquakes there. The fact that he has really contributed a lot on the field of play and also the good gestures that he has done for so many people, especially for prisoners and for orphans. That's coming shortly, plus our interview with Nigeria and Fulham defender Calvin Bassey on how he's coped with poor spells of form in his game. I spoke to one of my friends the other day and he said, if you never failed, you won't know what it feels like to win and you won't appreciate your wins. Also, we look back at Africa's best ever showing at the FIFA Women's World Cup. That's all coming up on the show, but first, the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations is just two weeks away now. The tournament kicking off in Ivory Coast on the 13th of January, and the 24 teams are submitting their final squads as we speak. And we're going to see some of the world's best players there in Ivory Coast. Atraf Hakimi of Paris Saint-Germain is among the big names named in the Morocco squad. Morocco, of course, World Cup semi-finalists just over a year ago. The Europe-based players will be having their last club games for a while this weekend as they're set to travel shortly. But one of the English Premier League stars, Simon Adingra of Brighton, won't feature for the hosts. He's out with a hamstring injury. And Mali goalkeeper Mamadou Samasa has a situation where his French League 2 club Stade Lavalois are pointing to a clause in his contract which prohibits him from going to the AFCON even though that is a clear contravention of the FIFA regulations. So we'll see what happens there in the coming days. And one of the star attractions of the Nations Cup, Nigeria's Victor Osimen, is already in Nigeria. He's been given an early departure by his Italian club Napoli. And just a few days ago, Osimen decided to extend his stay at Napoli until 2026, adding another year to his contract with the Italian club. Remember, just last week on the show, we were looking at the speculation that he might be joining an English Premier League club anytime soon. Looks like, though, that might not be happening just yet now. So all this happening ahead of the Nations Cup will be there at the AFCON in Ivory Coast. I'll be presenting the show from there, so looking forward to that. So on this week's edition of Planet Sport Football Africa, lots of highlights from 2023. And we had a special feature on football fans with disability, in particular fans who are visually impaired. Now, Tafazwa Nyamuziwe is a Zimbabwean colleague of mine who's been living in Germany for five years and works there as a broadcaster. Now, Nyams is blind. He's a big sports fan. He went to a German Bundesliga 2 match in the city of Hanover, where Hanover 96 played Heidenheim. He gave us this feel of the experience. Yeah, I'm live here from the Hanover main stadium, the league game between Hanover and Heidenheim, at the 50,000 seater stadium. So for someone who's, 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 um, who's disabled, they were just sitting. Um, we are seated five meters just away from the from the main stadium. So the, at the left side will be the disabled sitting, and then the right side, you see the guys, the ching chings. All the millionaires will be sitting there. And uh, the game will start at half past seven. It's been amazing, but as we're driving here, 
we had a bit of issues with parking. Not exactly with parking, but there was just too much traffic. But there was also reserved parking for people disabled. Coming to the stadium was very swift because the ticket was on the what? Was on the phone. Everything was swift. The ticket for the game was good for 30 euro. But if you are disabled, you pay 10 euro, and your assistant gets it for free. So that's um, it's amazing. This way, for my headsets so that I can get the live commentary and everything. It's quite an amazing feel. I had uh, exclusive um, access to see the team bus coming through. Found over 96, we got to the team bus, the players getting off the bus, and all the players in the, in the stadium warming up. Some of the advantage that I've had, I was not really pressed the toilets. They are clean, but yeah, they, they don't have a good order. And that's one thing I haven't been impressed with in the toilet so far. But besides that, I think everything else has just been good. Entertainment, the team is warming up, and yeah, so far the atmosphere is good. And on a Friday, you know, people are actually packed up just like this here. The stadium is, I can tell, was yesterday I was being told over 40,000 seats had already been taken. I don't know if the game is going to be sold out today. So the experience of watching football as a visually impaired fan, that's Tafantwa Nyamuziwa, a Zimbabwean based in Germany. I spoke to him to find out more and first asked about the headsets given to the visually impaired fans to listen to commentary on the game. So actually, before you get to the game, football game, you actually phone the club and you uh, make them aware that you're going to the stadium. By the time you get to the stadium, the commentary team was actually waiting for me. And they handed me my headphones and they told me, they introduced themselves to me and they told me that we're going to be doing the commentary for you. And then um, I took the headphones and you just plug them at the side of your chair and you're able to listen to commentary. So the commentary that you're listening to is more of radio commentary. You can actually visualize things that are happening in the field of play. And it's so amazing. The commentary was just so amazing for me. It was so good. And then as the crowd was applauding and cheering up, it was so fun because you feel part of the part of the crowd. And yeah, Germans really support football. It was so amazing. You know, all the um, hearing the sound, the crowd and everything, which was so amazing. Then just after the game, the commentary team also then come to you and um, they got the headphones for me and just asked me how the commentary was and everything. But that was an amazing thing. But I knew all the action from the first minute until the last minute. I was actually part of, of, the, um, of the fun and the activities. And I always find this thing as a, a great thing. Oh, wow. What an experience. Uh, so, Niams, how does this compare with going to sports events uh, as a fan with disability in Zimbabwe? I've been to the Father Stadium. I've been to a sports club as a blind person, and they do not have facilities that can accommodate the disabled. So I think one thing that the city council needs to do and the owners of these uh, sporting facilities need to actually go on a fact-finding mission and to know how can, certain countries have done it, what have they done in terms of accessibility, so that people with disabilities can also go and be part of the fun, support their teams, and even go and support the country when things are happening You know, in, in terms of sporting facilities. I think it's something that can be done any time right now with the whole issue of, of uh, stadium renovations. It's something that they need to actually include 
and make sure that those infrastructure is uh, is available for persons with disabilities in terms of sporting facilities. It's something that the city fathers um, in different cities need to be able to do to make sure that that infrastructure is actually accessible to the to the blind. So they've got much to learn, but I believe it can be done. Because for me, the whole stadium, from the moment we entered the stadium until the lift, everything was accessible. Um, there were ramps, there were steps. We had an option to go through the steps or the ramps, and, and, and even the entry where, where I entered the stadium with was an entry that was really reserved for persons with disabilities, the small kids, you know. It was actually a great uh, stadium and a great facility, uh, which is really good for to enable persons with disabilities to also go and be part of the fun. And I also say this, it's always good because it's good for recreational purposes. It's also good for mental health, for things to be part of the fun. So with that, I say I hope that we have facilities like this here in Zimbabwe and in Africa that can also accommodate person disabilities. Well, yeah, a long way to go for most countries uh, in Africa. That's Tafazwa Nyamuziwa, a Zimbabwean in Germany, giving us insights into facilities uh, for persons with disabilities at uh, sports venues in Germany. And, uh, well, certainly there is a challenge uh, for countries around Africa uh, to do more for fans with disability. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, our last show of 2023. And we're looking back at uh, some of our highlights on the show during the course of this year. Uh, well, one of the saddest uh, moments of 2023 was the passing away of Ghana winger Christian Achu, who was found dead in Turkey in February following the earthquakes there. Achu played 105 games for Newcastle. He shone for the Black Stars at the 2014 World Cup and was player of the tournament at the 2015 Africa Cup of Nations. He featured 65 times for the Black Stars. Achu joined Turkish club Hataya Spor at the start of this season. He was only 31. He was found dead under the rubble of his home. Hataya Sport initially said that Achu had been rescued with injuries, but this position was later changed and then broke the news of uh, his tragic passing. Well, I spoke to Ghanaian sportscaster Betty Yorson in Accra and first asked about the mood there. Well, Steve, I must say that it was a very sad mood, especially on Sunday when the body arrived from Turkey. I mean, People that don't even know Christian Achu but have heard his name, a lot of them, I mean, cried because of how sad it was. The fact that he has really contributed a lot on the field of play and also the good gestures that he has done for so many people, especially for prisoners and for orphans. And so people were actually looking at his work off the field and that actually made a lot of people sad. It was a very solemn mood here in Ghana and it has been till now when you go on social media, people still are talking about him. And I mean, there are many people that are also looking forward to when his, I mean, the final farewell will be done, when he will be buried. And that is what many people are waiting for. And then they can get to say their last bye-bye to him. So it's been a solemn mood from the day it was declared that his body has been found till now. And uh, even before then, um, there was a stage where it was reported that uh, he had been rescued. And then there were these following days where we didn't know what the situation was. Um, How did people take that? 
Well, I think a lot of Ghanaians were very hopeful. You know, in Africa, it's, I mean, belief is very high when it comes to um, our belief, our religious belief. And so many Ghanaians were very hopeful. Many Ghanaians, you, you go on social media and a lot are praying that Christian Achu will be found alive because of the first news that came that he's been found, he's alive, and then there was another U-turn that there was a mistaken identity. So that actually made a lot of people doubt it when another news came that his body has been found. Many Ghanaians wanted to see Achu, like the dead body, before they could believe that truly this news is genuine because of what happened previously and so there are some people that are still doubting that truly it is not actually probably it's, it's it's a different person that they are claiming is dead and that's because they still hold on to the belief that he's going to be found alive so it's actually that news gave a lot of Ghanaians some sort of believing that they were going to see actually alive and unfortunately it didn't turn out as they wanted and tell us about some of the tributes that have been coming in for him well, I think most of the tributes has been his off-the-field gestures. And we've had a lot of prisoners in our prison. I mean, he has really helped a lot of people that are were sentenced for some petty crimes. He sometimes, some years ago, said that there should be a non-custodial law that should be passed so that some crimes that do not necessarily have to, I mean, lead to people being sentenced in prison. And and so he, he has been paying the fines of some of these prisoners. And that is what has made a lot of people talk about him, that good um, gesture that he's been doing. I mean, there is an orphanage that he's been supporting since the reopening of that orphanage. He's been giving financial support, every support that he wrote to the orphans in that particular orphanage in his hometown. And so it is his off-the-field quality that are making a lot of people pour in tribute, saying that he's a good man, and so why should he die, knowing very well that there are a lot of people that depend on him. Yes, he was a great footballer, especially in 2015, Afghan, where he was flying high, but People are not referring to his football traits. People are rather, I mean, speaking about his goodwill off the field. And uh, Christian Achu was known as a, a strong believer, as a, a strong Christian. Yes, he was. I mean, he, most of his interviews that he granted, even his last post on social media, he stated that if he has not been thankful to God enough, God should forgive him. That was his last post on on Facebook. And so he's a very, he's a strong Christian. He's from a a humble home. And clearly you can see his background, his upbringing was a difficult one. And so he makes sure that anybody that he comes across that is struggling. There is this Nigerian comedian who is like a a big comedian in in Nigeria. And when Christian Achu died, he posted on social media that when that comedian mother died, the Christian Achu reached out to him that he would want to support him till he completes the university and get a job. So he's someone that he know he has been through tough times and so he's always willing to help people around him and that's what many people are saying on social media. I was talking there to Ghanaian sportscaster Betty Yorson in Accra on the tragic death of Ghana winger Christian Achu. Uh, touching and so sad and as we heard there he did so much off the pitch to help prisoners, orphans and others. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. We're looking back on some of our highlights of 2023 on the show, some of the highs and lows. Uh, Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League. He's been speaking to Brentford defender Ben Mee. 
You can follow us on X at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To get the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. So as we continue to look back at uh, some of our highlights on the show in 2023 to our interview with Nigeria and Fulham defender Calvin Bassey, who has admitted he struggled with the abuse he received during a poor run of form at his previous club, the Dutch giant Ajax. Now Bassey made a big money switch from Glasgow Rangers in Scotland to Ajax after his impressive performances for Rangers, particularly in their run to the 2022 Europa League final. But he struggled in his early days at Ajax and was heavily criticised by supporters and pundits, with some suggesting they spent far too much money on him. He improved a lot but then moved to Fulham at the end of last season, where he also had problems early on, making a few mistakes. But he's now cemented his place as a regular starter for Fulham. Well, Bassi spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji first about his tough start at Ajax. Of course, I mean, it's, it's hard to settle in, you know, um, there's, there's things that need to be worked on, but I mean, that's with most of us, we all have strengths and weaknesses, we're young players, um, and yeah, it's just about enjoying it, the most important thing is enjoying playing football, if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to get better, if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to improve and not, not going to be as dedicated and give as much love and passion into, yeah, I'm starting to enjoy it, I've settled down, and yeah, I'm loving it. The last time I spoke to you, you said, don't let anything get to your heart and don't let something get to, into your head too much. So when you start feeling the heat from the media, from some of the critics in the Netherlands, did you take to your own advice? Did you hit to your own advice? Yeah, of course. It's, it's always hard, but of course, I, I blocked it all out. You know, um, God is my strength. And God wouldn't have put me in a position I can't handle. So I know God put me here for a reason and I'm not here by chance. I'm here because this is where he wants me to be. And I have to face it and go along with it and take each day as it comes and train. Give the maximum. Don't feel let down or don't feel sad. And at the end of the day, I don't feel like there's any pressure on me. You know, there's no pressure on me because I, I know why I'm here. This football isn't pressure. Pressure is when... You, you can't feed your kids. You ain't got money to feed your kids. That's what you call real pressure. This is not real pressure. I spoke to one of the coaches today and he said the same thing. Pressures when you can't feed your kids or you don't have money to clothe your kids. That's what, when real pressure is. So this isn't pressure. I can't let football pressure me. Did you ever get to a point where when you felt like, nah, this shouldn't, this, this shouldn't be happening. People need to understand that footballers do fit tough times and good times. Of course. I think, I think nobody, you can't really speak to anybody that doesn't play football about the hardship of football because it's hard for them to understand or hard for them to grasp because they don't see what happens behind the scenes and the constant struggle and the constant sacrifices and I spoke to one of my friends the other day and he said if you never failed you won't know what it feels like to win and you won't appreciate your wins and for me it's like for example I'm always away from my family so when I get home I'm always excited but people don't realize these little things because they see their family every day and it don't make a difference to them but like we learn to appreciate things that we haven't got or 
and we know football there's going to be ups and downs and that's why the the ups are so much sweeter than the downs because of the sacrifice and the work you see it pay off and yeah of course I got to a point where I felt like it was it was a bit like unfair but you know football's unfair life's unfair so I've just got to carry on I can't keep focusing on the negative I can't let people ruin my energy because at the end of the day I'm a positive child of God and that's why I'll always be and make sure I give the maximum every single day. You, you you often talk you know about your faith and how you connect with God and all of that. As a sportsman, how important is it to know that you know your life in Christ and your belief and your faith tends to carry you all the way when you get on the pitch? I think it's the most important thing because I see people that, you know, don't really believe in anything. And I, I just feel like when times get hard, what do you call upon? Or when times are good, who do you think? And like, I, like, I don't know how people can believe, you know, the world started with a big bang. It's, it's, sometimes it's, it's silly to hear, but you know, um, me, I believe in God and God is my strength. And time and time again, he's strengthened me time and time again. He's, he's, plucked me out of a deep hole time and time again he's he stood by me time and time again he he's come through for me my god has never failed me god will never fails and i feel like it's so important to have faith and and believe in god and try to live your life best best to god and and the thing is like football's just a part of it like my life is trying to be a better christian not trying to be the best footballer you know of course i love football and i'm going to give my all to be the best footballer but first and foremost is being the best child of god i can because at the end of the day this world will go i'm not going to take the cars i'm not going to take the money i'm not going to take anything with me all i'm going to take is my soul and i want to make sure i've done everything i can to get in paradise on his football and his faith, that's Nigeria and Fulham defender Calvin Bassi speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji. On the show this week, looking back at uh, some of our uh, best interviews and reports uh, during the course of 2023. And the FIFA Women's World Cup was held in New Zealand and Australia this year. It was Africa's best ever Women's World Cup, although perhaps it could have been uh, even better because uh, there were three African teams through to the knockout stage for the first time. But the round of 16 games were just too tough and all of the sides went out at that stage. Nigeria had a great battle with England, losing on penalties after after a goalless 120 minutes. And Morocco lost 4-0 to France at their first ever Women's World Cup and South Africa had a tough round of 16 game against the Netherlands. They went down by a respectable 2-0 scoreline. Here's Banyana Banyana's Spain-based defender Nomvula Nomi Kogoali speaking to reporters after the game. This audio came from the South Africa Football Association. I feel extremely sad. I, I, I can only say that uh, I'm almost going to burst into tears. I think by tonight I will cry definitely in my room. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so sad because you just know how good you are. And had we just buried our chances, I think we could have been having a different conversation right now, me and you. Um, a football is a game of moments. Only the present moment counts. Could have, should have been. It doesn't count right now. You know, uh, I mean, I'm saying we could have buried our chances, but does it count now? Because the game is over. But in the moment, when you are presented with an opportunity, you've got to use it. And if you don't, this is the kind of conversations we're going to have. But then again and again, if you are a footballer, if you are a sports person, we all know that these things happen. They are football is heartbreaking and this is the moment where my heart is broken that that's all i can say 
Speaking at the FIFA Women's World Cup, that's South Africa's Spain-based defender, Nomvula Nomi Koale. Well, this week on social media, asking for your thoughts, what were your highs and lows of 2023 in African football? We've relived some of our highs and lows there. It was indeed another eventful year in African football. So we had the inaugural African Football League. We had Africa's best ever showing at the FIFA Women's World Cup. Some outstanding players in the top leagues of Europe and much more to talk about So what were your highs and lows? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there. Or you can send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What were your highs and lows of this year in African football? Okay, then let's talk about the English Premier League now and the frantic festive holiday programme continues in the English Premier League this weekend with Liverpool against Newcastle on Monday, the standout fixture in a game week 20. Uh, Something significant to last Tuesday in the Premier League as Sam Allison became the first black referee to take charge of a Premier League match in 15 years as Sheffield United played Luton. Uh, That was the first black referee since Uriah Rennie. Uh, Now, many asked why it's taken 15 years, and the English Football Association has set targets of increasing the diversity of match officials uh, right down to the lower divisions, and wants an increase of 1,000 women referees and 1,000 black or Asian referees at all levels over the course of the next three years. So we'll see if there is going to be further progress there. Well, now let's talk Brentford, as Stuart was recently at an event held by the English PFA Sports Journalists Association and got a chance there to speak to Brentford defender Ben Mee. Uh, before we hear from him, uh, first, Stuart, give us a bit of background on Brentford, a uh, club from northwest London. Well, Brentford is an old football club, founded in 1889, but it spent most of that time in the lower divisions. And as recently as 2009... Brentford were playing in League Two, that's the fourth tier. But in 2021, they secured promotion to the Premier League, their first season in the top division since 1947. In 2020, Brentford left Griffin Park, which had been their home for 116 years, to move to a new stadium called the GTEC Stadium. And the same year, they appointed Thomas Frank as manager. Could they survive in the Premier League? Most people expected them to be relegated immediately. But they've survived comfortably, finishing 13th and 9th. And this season they're mid-table again. One of the players they signed was Ben Mee, who had played about 350 games for Burnley. Um, And I met up with him at a journalist's lunch and asked him what was the secret of Brentford's survival in the Premier League. I think it's a it's a very unique club, a uh, very progressive club, forward thinking. They have ideas of, of being a bit different as well. So uh, I think that's helped a, a club the size of Brentford. The recruitment has been fantastic over the past number of years, which is well documented. And and yeah, it's, uh, they've got a manager at the minute that creates a really good culture around the club. It's followed on from previous managers, I think, that have been there. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a club that's ambitious and a real uh, good development and players and, and in around the club as well and, and you know it's, it's been first class since I've been there. I mean when you go out and play say Arsenal and beat them what gives you the confidence to take on a big club? I think a belief in, in the group, uh, how we work, how we play, um, 
the sort of risk reward as well we have. We you know we want to go and win games, and we're given that license to go and do that. We have an optimistic manager who wants to to do well and and, and win games, and um, I think that, that feeds into the, the team as well. And it's not always going to happen, but we're very positive mentality with the group as well and we've had a lot of players out injured recently and that, and that's had to sort of come to the fore you know we've we've been missing players and, and players are coming in and out of the side and playing in different positions where they normally used to play in the the group the togetherness the the mentality um, and the attitude as well has, has been been fantastic and I think that's a, a really big thing another factor in the success has been 37 Premier League goals scored by their African twin strikers Brian Bueno and Johan Vissa. And I was interested to, to see what Mee's take was on those players. Yeah, two, uh, two excellent strikers who've sort of, you know, built a name over the past three years coming to the Premier League. Not many players would have, uh, not many people would, fans would have known about them. You know, Brian this season has, has took it onto another level. He's become more, more consistent. When I first arrived at the club, he was maybe played a really good game and had maybe two off games and, and, and had another couple of really good games. But, you know, his levels, uh, his consistency has, has really improved and, you know, he's been fantastic and scoring goals and a real calmness in the side, taking the team forward. But also Wissa, as, alongside that, you know, stepped into the side. He was in and out a little bit last year and uh, he's really stepped up in the, in the absence of, of Ivan Tony as well. And, you know, he's been fantastic and a, a real good character around the place as well to have. So Stuart was speaking there to Brentford defender Ben Mee and uh, sadly Brian Buemu is going to miss the Africa Cup of Nations for Cameroon because of injury but a uh, big contribution to the bees uh, before picking up uh, that uh, ankle injury. Uh, Stuart there was at an event hosted by the PFA Sports Journalists Association. OK then, thanks so much Stuart. That's it for the show, our last show of 2023. Uh, the new year will be starting with a bang in African football with the Africa Cup of Nations finals in Ivory Coast and I'm wishing you all the best for 2024, thanks so much for your support this year, from me Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production